0: You're listening to DraftKings Network. I just started laughing thinking about. I forgot Jordan Finnington did whatever he did, and like, oh, like, oh my god, he's a loser. Yeah, sorry. The
1: big loser energy. It's just, it's, it's amazing how that pops off too. Because everyone's like, everyone knows he's such an asshole. They're just like, oh god, who would expect? anything but he's such sour grapes and like I'm sorry you're losing games I'm really not sorry you don't forget to win the games.
2: Hey everybody welcome back to Too Many Men my name is Allison Lucan and as always I am joined with the particularly scholarly but always steadfast in storytelling and telling the right story in the right way as completely and importantly as possible Sarah Sivian. Sarah? Don't give away too much on what this episode's about, but how are you today? What's going on?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Long morning getting locked out of the arena. I just, I need to start getting maps to everywhere. I just am so bad at navigating arenas, but it's
2: all good. My petition remains. I literally would give American dollars to PR staffs that in their media guides, actual maps of where you're supposed to go for things and when and stuff, because it's not well done. Uh,
0: not standard. I just have to say, like, I walked into the Bruins practice facility today and people, I'm like, Hey, I'm a reporter. Like, where's the conference? And they're like, are you really? I'm like, yeah. Like, I just want to do my fucking job. And this has happened (laughs) so many times on the road. It's just so frustrating. I like literally walked out, but oh, well, everybody did a great job in asking the questions that mattered today. So good job Bruins media.
2: Excellent. All right. Well, we would not be too many men without a woman who with me giving a shout out to the ladies of the Kraken who were so kind and had us at a Q&A and love the podcast and we love that you love the podcast. One of our wonderful ladies of the Kraken said she gets, she bursts out laughing out loud literally on her runs because she listens to us on her runs. And she knew that she was around us because when I said gift last night, she was upset that Shana wasn't there to correct me. It is The Athletics, Shana Goldman. Shana, say hi.
1: Hi i i love that i love that so much that it's like a, it's a thing it's legitimately a thing GIF there's gif moving pictures you know it's i love it it really is GIF, but it's fine we, we'll keep it to moving pictures for the purposes of this podcast so we're not here debating that for the next hour we have more important things to talk about although that is very important
2: <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> unnecessary diatribe shana but we'll very let you have it necessary Just one time. very necessary Just Just this one time. Um, All right. We do have hockey news to talk about, which brings us to Sarah Sivian's favorite segment called
0: Sad Biddle
2: News. (laughs) Blomp, blomp. (laughs) We do have some Biddle News. (laughs) news to talk about none of it is positive um first we have josh anderson getting a two game suspension for boarding um alex petrangelo most of you have hopefully i mean not hopefully i shouldn't say that but you've seen the hit for context to understand what happened i i have been a fan of josh anderson's game pretty much his whole career but that was completely unnecessary Uh, the suspension feels deserved to me particularly with the importance we know needs to be placed on player safety. Shayna, what was your take?
1: Based on the standards that have been set, you know, for other hits, that I think the suspension makes sense, like the length. I think everyone would argue that every uh, suspension should be longer than it actually is, but it, it was just very unnecessary. He really didn't need to do that. And, uh, you know, he's a, you have to find that, that balance between physical play and being an asshole. And right there, he went very high on the asshole scale. So, you
2: know, not a great one there. Usually I'd get a comment from from both Shane and Sarah, but we have another suspension to talk about. So Sarah gets to take the lead on that. Um, And this, like, I know people say this doesn't happen often, but this is now twice in two years, right? One intentional, one not intentional. that Matthew Kachuk, Florida's Matthew Kachuk, gets his stick in through the, the cat eye or whatever you want to call it of Jonathan Quick's goaltender mask. And he is also now suspended two games. Um, I was thinking specifically of the issue during the Stanley Cup playoffs last year that cost Calgary a goaltender for a little bit of time. Um, Sarah, what was your take on I mean, the Kachuk I mean, he's
0: going to do what he's going to do when things aren't going well for his team. I do think he's trying to fire people up in any way that he can. So I am never gonna hate, I I like that, I like him. Um, I don't think he was doing anything dangerous. You don't fuck with the goalie though. So that's not good, but he's not here to make friends. He's here to win America's Next Top Model. So here
2: we are. (laughs) Folks, we are in one today. All right, Um, well, we're we're sticking on goaltenders. As much as, and I've started to have this dialogue with some other folks, as much as goaltenders um, aren't necessarily all elite anymore, they're still such a crucial part of any team. And a couple teams have had some significant uh, hits in terms of their goalers in net and their overall health, starting with uh, Mackenzie Blackwood in New Jersey. And this was a team, and Shayna, keep me honest here, this is a team that was underperforming when their goaltending maybe didn't get the start it wanted then it rebounds this team is playing well seeing the results that we believe their underlying numbers said they should be seeing and now they have a goaltender injury walk us through this and what you think the impact will be to the team
1: yeah so the devil started the year and goaltending they weren't getting the saves like they had a good preseason and then the regular season started and it just felt like the games were kind of spiraling from there and they changed their strategy of making sure their goalies barely had to face anything, and that's been working well for them. Uh, it did feel like Blackwood was getting more of the starting role, but in Edmonton, you could see he injured his leg uh, trying to make a save against, uh, I believe it was the beginning of the Oilers' power play, and it looked pretty bad at the moment, and they put Vanacek in, and I felt terrible for Vanacek because he comes in, you like everyone gets a second to breathe, so that first power play unit stays out, and first shot from them goes in and the team you saw kind of like start to panic there but they like settled it down so I think they're gonna be okay with Vanacek I actually like I honestly think Vanacek is the better goalie of the two I think he's the goalie I would if I'm like running things in New Jersey if I'm making the decisions I would either go 50-50 or a little bit more towards Vanacek there's an unpredictability to Blackwood's game that I think is a problem but at the end of the day like having a goalie injury is troublesome like you look at last year what happened and how everything fell apart because they went through seven goalies and a lot of it was injury based so they're going to find out more on tuesday i think it is uh, about the status of you know his injury and they can go from there and they do have a couple options internally like right now they have you know options who are in the ahl but the interesting one is if jonathan bernier is going to be able to come back from hip surgery which would be a little surprising to me and we don't know the level he'll play but uh, for a team that's getting off to a very good start, if it's anything serious, it does feel like they're going to have to just get a little goalie support, like just someone to avoid last year. Even though the team in front of the Nets playing better, it doesn't matter. But there's another team that now might need a goalie, so everything just
2: gets a little more challenging, right? Which brings us to Sarah. We cannot have a podcast episode without asking how does this affect the Leafs, and goaltending injuries affect the Leafs. Um, Earlier this week, Ilya Samsonov has been reported to have a knee injury. We know that Matt Murray is still recovering from an adductor injury. They were down to their number three goaltender, Eric Colgren. And in what was actually a heartwarming moment in all of this, uh, they signed um, their, their goaltending prospect, Keith Petruzzelli, um, to his ELC. He's been doing really well with the Marlies and the AHL. Um, and they posted that video, which was really cool. But Sarah, how does this affect the Leafs?
0: Well, they've won back-to-back games, so they are now the best team in the NHL again. It's hard to <laughs> hard to understate that, but I do I think it's better now than later. Um I don't know how long the extent of these injuries are going to be. Maybe it's one of those situations where this guy ends up being like goaltending is so fickle that like this happened with Alex Nedeljkovic with the Canes a few years ago. He like had to come up, they had no other choice. And then he was just playing out of his mind. So it's kind of like, let's see, let's ride this out and see what happens.
1: I think it's wild too. The Leafs beat two very good teams back to back. You look at it and you're like, they beat Carolina and Boston, but they couldn't do shit in the games before this. They It should have been a slam dunk for them out West. And I mean, maybe you play a little like now the Sjölgren's in that they're like, now we have to overperform, but it's mind boggling to me that like, they, they can't beat bad teams. <laughs>
0: I think there's so many games in the NHL and that we like obsess over things when they really are like more, the cream eventually rises to the top, but I do think there's more parity than we give it credit for on a micro level. So I do feel like every good team loses to a few bad teams at least once a year. The pattern, I will say, has been pretty concerning for the Leafs though.
2: Well, speaking of supposedly good teams losing games, um, we have a couple teams that have been perennially talked about as as top of the league, um, have been in the playoff conversation for uh, to varying degrees, um, particularly with this first team, um, for a while here. And we have cup winners here too that we're talking about that still have players from those cup runs. But we have a couple teams on some pretty significant losing streaks, to your point, Sarah. And the first one we want to talk about is the Penguins, who are on a seven-game losing streak, thanks to the almighty Seattle Kraken, uh, who defeated them 3-2 game-winning goal from former Penguin Brandon Tanev in the final few minutes there of play. You hate to see it, folks, hate to see it. Um, but the Penguins are on a seven-game winless streak. They have had some injuries, but they've also had players coming back. Shayna, what's your take on the state of the Penguins? Are they remaining flightless birds?
1: right now it sure shit seems that way um good for them that they play the capitals on wednesday because somebody has to win that game it's like when the wild and canucks played each other earlier this year are like all right someone has to win maybe it'll help someone maybe it'll turn things around um it just it, it's it's funny because at the beginning of the year we're like oh my god the age is, age is core look at what they're doing i feel like if anyone's gonna bounce back it's the it's the penguins they have a good foundation they have great players they'll find their way but it definitely seems like this is just an incredibly frustrating stretch for them. Um, but you, you know, watched them up close twice when they played the Kraken, the Kraken beat them twice. Like, what did you notice when you watched it?
2: Well, obviously the Stanley Cup champ champion coming Seattle Kraken are just that good. Now, hey, um, no, I mean, I think, you know, in the first game in Seattle, I mean, Jeff Carter leaves the game after the first period. So there's some personnel issues there just because you don't even have the same number of skaters and now you're jumbling your forward lines. but they played better in the second game this past saturday but they also and listen maddie benares is a great player but they also let maddie benares like skate up and down the ice like it was fine um i feel like it's similar to washington the other team where you mentioned shana is that and we've talked about this like the core it's these great 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 players but at some point they're not going to be great 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 players in the moment their careers will remain great but this is the impact of decline and looking at how you construct your roster around players who take up a big chunk of change. And, and when you say, I'm going to keep the core together, this is the possible risk you take. I don't know. Sarah, what do you think?
0: Yeah, completely. That's what I said at the beginning of the season. Then they got off to a good start. I was like, OK, I'll eat my egg on my face. I'll eat my crow, all of the <laughs> idioms. But I... Yes, I was right, but we'll still see. But I, I do think, yeah, it's just brutal and baffling to watch. I guess it's not that baffling when you consider what you said about the aging core and how fast the young players in the league are right now. I think we're at an interesting time in the league where it's kind of like generations going into new generations, and it's harder to keep up.
2: So another team that's on a losing streak, and Sarah, we'll stick with you on this one, um, Blues, six games uh, without a uh, win um, again, this is a team that in the past has been heralded as you know. A, 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 what do you? Laughing? I just started,
0: I just started laughing thinking about. I forgot Jordan Finnington did whatever he did and they, like,
1: uh, like oh my oh, god, he's a loser Sorokin. again. Yeah, it's sorry. The big loser energy. It's just. It's it's exactly. amazing how that pops off too because everyone's like everyone knows he's such an asshole. They're just like oh god, who would expect anything but he's such sour grapes and like I'm sorry you're losing games I'm really not sorry you don't deserve to win the games but like grow
0: up <laughs> I know. someone is going to kick his ass one day he said he was gonna stop and he was off to a good start is he the problem there's injuries has he been playing well or not I'm not watching the blues sorry um, He's not the biggest
1: problem. The biggest problem is, like, they're not finishing their chances. They're kind of iffy at five okay. on five. they They're not great defensively, which is not surprising considering who they have. But, like, their offense is kind of bland and injuries to guys like Buchnevich doesn't help and other underperformers. But, like, he's not great. And they got rid of Huso, so if he's not great, your option is Grice, who is not a starter at this point in his career. You know, like, it was they didn't have a choice because they signed that huge contract for Biddington that they had to get rid of Huso. But, like... They didn't leave themselves much wiggle room and behind that defense we know he doesn't play well behind you know a shitty defense he's been fine behind you know totally insulated he's not playing great and he just it's just the vibes coming off of him that saltiness like it has to go through the rest of the team like if you're a player on his team what do you think like he's standing up for us by shoving sorokin who won't let us get a goal past him what a great guy are you like oh god this dick again Oh, are we doing this again like i i feel like it has to be the latter at this point right Who knows? Like who can even claim to
2: know? God, who's to say who's to say Um, there's another team that can't seem to find a win, but they continue to do that halfway around the world. Um, And that is the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, which takes us to a different topic more specifically than Columbus's win loss record and point total. And poor Patrick Liney, Did you see his quote? after
0: no what did he say no what
2: did he say he's like it was such a waste to come over here i don't even know what oh
1: oh my god and he scored the first they were competitive the first game and like looked good that must have that was after the second game when they just like totally fell off right
2: correct that sucks hometown and blah 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 yeah um but anyway the bigger question is that we wanted to talk about quickly here was um are nhl games in europe Gimmicky. Is there a point to them or is there something we're trying to learn from these or is this just a boondoggle for a couple teams to go over to Europe for a week and and enjoy hopefully some different culture unless you're Johnny Gaudreau who continued to eat steak and potatoes even though he was in Finland which again he's a hero let's go oh stop it um Sarah are you pro are you pro global series pro pro international play or would you or do you think that there's no point to this it's just a marketing grab
0: Listen, I think the stadium series are marketing grab. I think that the global series is good. I love seeing um, European fans go crazy. And it's like players going to their hometowns and you learn so much about the culture there. Like, it's been so interesting for me to cover Finnish players in the league. You learn about their personalities, like how different they are and how like even... Like when you said the line a quote, it just jogged my mind. I'm like, okay, they, they speak so succinctly in English. It's like... It was a way, like the way he talks even, it's so interesting to me. So I love learning about their culture. I think that's a genuinely good thing. You got Nathan McKinnon to drink beer. That's always a win. Uh, I'm for it. I think we might pump the brakes on the stadium series
2: though. Shayna, what can come good out of these series? Are we supposed to just go over there for two games a year? Or is this, is this eventually like the NFL where we hear rumblings of, there should be a team in Europe? What's, what's your take?
1: If there's gonna be a team, there's leagues in Europe. It's just like, it, it, that can't work. But like, I think the stadium series does feel like more of a cash grab because they saw the success of the outdoor games and they were adding so many. And I understand like having two outdoor games cause like fun, you know, fun younger teams are not gonna get in the winter classic anyway. But with the European series, I, it's interesting too, cause they went twice this year. Like, is, is that pushing it? Like, that's a good question to ask. Should it be a once of a year thing so it stays special? But I like that even if it is more than once a year, it's different places they're going to. And, like, you know, what percentage of the NHL is European and how, you know, what percentage of hockey players worldwide are European. So I think that there is something to it because you're getting this opportunity to bring players to their hometowns. We get to learn a bit more about them. I know when Tampa Bay, I think it was, went to Sweden, Joe Smith did this huge feature on Victor Hedman going to his house and all that and it's like you get to learn so much more about the players and I think it's a good experience for teammates to get to learn more about their their line mates you know in in Colorado you're learning all these things about Rantanen and about and I'm sure they loved getting to show their teammates around like this is where I'm from because for Canadian players they get that all the time um and I also think there's things to learn from the overall environment of a European game. Like we've seen the crowd singing and the enthusiasm and everything like that. The environment is so cool. And I feel like anyone who's gone to, to a game in Europe will tell you like, it's incredible. That's something the NHL should absolutely, positively be trying to bring here and learn from. It's the same thing like, can they learn from the college environments to to pump up Arizona games and everybody else? I think there's something to learn from these games as well. So I obviously it's a cash grab, but I think that it's one of the few that's actually good because it's a cool opportunity. But maybe they could figure out something that it's not just two quick games. Like, I don't know, maybe there is something they could figure out to make it more of an experience, but I'm not sure.
2: Well, my friends, we had a whole list of other hockey things to talk to you about. Uh, we were going to circle back on the games that we all said we wanted to watch. But then, as has happened a little bit too much, unfortunately, this early in this season, uh, we have a massive entry uh, for the shit list and uh, we're going to give a bunch of time to this. So if you're those people who say, ooh, stick to hockey, you can hit stop now. We've already re- recorded your listen. Thank you so much. Keep listening ProPod.
1: Yeah, just mute us and let the rest play through (laughs) get the fuck out. That's what Shayna does.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, we have some news we have to break down, and there is a lot, a lot, a lot of layers to this. Um, Late last week, the Boston Bruins felt it necessary to sign Mitchell Miller to his entry level contract. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Mitchell Miller was um, A player actually in Ohio um, who when in terms of what was recorded in courts of law up until the age of 14 harassed and racially abused in many ways um, a mentally challenged uh, co-student at his school. He was uh, taken to court where the judge is on record as saying that the judge themselves did not believe that Mitchell Miller showed any remorse for his actions. Um, It has been reported that Mitchell Miller had not apologized to the family or to the child whom he abused and racially attacked. And then in 2020, uh, Mitchell Miller was in fact drafted by the Arizona Coyotes. Um, After a backlash in 2020, uh, he was released from that obligation by the team. And then again, earlier this week or late last week, uh, Boston felt the need to sign him. Now that's a lot to unpack in and of itself. Building on that, there was an incredible outcry um, from the Bruins fan base from the hockey community, the majority of the hockey community, and we're going to get into that as well, um, but also from the Bruins locker room, which is something that we don't usually see in hockey culture. Um, all of this consummates in an announcement from the team Sunday um, and then addressed in a press conference by President Cam Neely on Monday that Mitchell Miller's contract is no longer going to be upheld. We are still, as of the time of this recording, unclear on if that means the contract can or will be terminated, or if there's gonna be have to be some sort of buyout scenario. Um, There is a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. I've just touched the surface of the events at hand. Um, Sarah, you are there in the Boston market. Uh, What are your most important points in this series of events and what has happened over the past three, four, five days?
0: I know I'm putting together a column and I'm just trying to collect my thoughts about all of it. But at the end of the day, it just feels bad and sad and it's not a win that they rescinded this offer that they gave when they say they didn't have enough information when the information was readily at our fingertips of exactly what he did. And he did horrendous things that I, you can Google and see and they were on camera of him soaking a lollipop in urine and feeding it to the kid. And years of abuse from elementary school to high school And it's just like, I don't, I feel so bad for the victim and anybody else who has been victimized by bullying. And I I keep looking at comments from GM Don Sweeney and President Cam Neely from the past few days. And one keeps sticking out with me with what Don Sweeney said when they had just signed him and they thought they were going to keep that contract and see what happens. Um, With us doing a lot of background work over the course of the last six months, almost a year. So they had known about, they'd had an interest for a year and spending time with Mitchell and his family, his acknowledgement of the mistakes he made when he was in eighth grade and 14 years old. It's more about what he's going to do now, not ever losing sight of the disrespect he showed to the young man. So to be clear, Mitchell was in eighth grade and 14 years old, but um, this young man with developmental disabilities is a young man. Um, we're going to put him in community program. We're going to put him, Miller, in community program so he continues to educate himself and others as to what being dis- disrespectful does for you and how you carry that with you for the rest of your life. So this is all about Miller and, oh, there might be consequences to his actions. And this is before they rescinded the contract. So it's, there's no focus on the victim. There's no, the, uh, have a good season in the USHL and guess what? This might stick with you for the rest of your life, but you still get signed to an NHL contract. It's really disgusting. And then I I go back and forth with the way that they said that they didn't have information that they have now and that's why they decided to rescind the contract. But I'm wondering what information that was. People asked at the press conference today and it seemed like Neely didn't know or at least is pretending not to know that they didn't reach out to the victim or his family. And the victim's mom is on Twitter, like, very eloquently speaking and speaking to anybody that will listen, that he did not apologize and that the Bruins did not reach out. So it's just kind of, I I don't think the Bruins maybe weren't anticipating the backlash that they have received from players and fans and everybody. But it's just, just a really sad situation and just a reminder that, like, they had the information and didn't care.
2: And we're going to break down each of these points um, because they deserve to be paid attention to. Um, But Shane, I want you first to to share, just like Sarah did, kind of what what has stuck out to you as maybe some of the most glaring or most important points in all of this.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, it was mishandled from start to finish, and it was very unnecessary. And I know everyone go, well, okay, he probably won't have a contract, depending on how things progress with this. Because again, we don't know the exact methods you could take to just terminating it or buying it out. But first and foremost, like playing at the NHL at the highest level, playing a game for a career is, it's a privilege. There are 20 spots every night an NHL team tends to dress 20 players. If you are one of those 20 players, that's a privilege. If you're one of the 50 contracts they have, that's a privilege. If you're gonna become a millionaire by playing in the NHL for a couple years, that's a privilege. If you're gonna play for the Boston Bruins or any NHL team, it's a privilege. I don't care what city this happens in, and I did see that comment that it's only because it's a big media market. This happened in Arizona originally, and look what happened. So don't tell me a team, especially as they're going into Toronto and is gonna get that national attention too on Hockey Night in Canada, it's not going to be discussed. It's It would be anywhere. Um, the comments from Don Sweeney were so frustrating as he, it felt like was trying to absolve himself and, you know, play it light, lightly that I don't know if this is the right decision. I don't, then don't make the decision. It's very simple. Don't sign the player. There are thousands of people out there who can play hockey for a living. There are thousands of untapped prospects that you could go to if you put together a smart scouting staff, which they do have some really smart minds in their front office. If you look to them and say, find someone different, find someone untapped that no one's talking about, instead of this one player, I don't care if this is the next Connor McDavid you don't need to sign him, and he's not. He's not at the end of the day. Even if they said, well, the skill, the blah, blah, blah. You're trying to put together a hockey team that's you know a winning group you don't need this player you do need good prospects i'm very sorry that you've done a horrible job at drafting the last few years but that's on you and correcting it this way isn't going to work because there's more to it than just his skill and the way it was like underscored he made a mistake uh i like the way sean gentile put it in his column making a mistake at 14 years old is smoking weed before the PSATs. i think is what he wrote not this this was years of going on and When he wrote the letters, don't forget when he wanted to be drafted, he wrote a letter to at the time it was 31 NHL teams saying that he had remorse, even though it wasn't believed in court he had remorse, and this is years later now he wrote those letters you couldn't have written one extra letter to the victim and the family of the victim to go i am so sorry i screwed up don't forget they forgave the other kid that was involved in this because he was sincere in his apology so you wrote these letters to benefit yourself you took the time because it was going to help you and further your nhl career but you never took the time to just be a decent human being when you mentally and physically abused someone and screwed up his life doing it but you think that because you have some skill you deserve to play in the highest league in really the world that it's 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 unreal how that could ever be acceptable and the bruins made it so by even allowing the signing in the first place even though they corrected it for a second there they were okay with it and they said if if they didn't get all this shit they wouldn't have done anything about it it's just it's not that he doesn't deserve a second chance anybody can earn a second chance you don't deserve one you do have to earn one and that means being remorseful and showing that you've taken steps. And it's on the Bruins to do their due diligence here. Both are in the wrong. Miller is in the wrong in every single which way. The Bruins are in the wrong every single which way. If they said we're going to actively work with him and ensure that he does all this, it would be a different conversation. But it didn't even feel like they were doing that. But I think there's been years since the Coyotes, you know, relinquished him. It just, all of it, it's just terrible. Like, It's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing for them and the comments today made it worse.
2: Yeah, I mean I think there's so much to unpack and I think what makes me the most angry is the continued belief that they can pull the wool over so many eyes. Um, And let's start with debunking a lot of the bullshit that's gone down here. Um, One of the first points Sarah made was they discovered new info. Here's the thing, if you did not have a complete understanding of what this player has done going all the way back to his draft minus two and draft minus one years and the history around him. Fire your scouts. Scouts do not show up. Scouts do not watch a player play a hockey game and then leave. We hear teams talk all the time about character and scouts are tasked with learning about the player off the ice What's going on around the player? What's their support system? What's going on? What do people think of this player outside of the rink? They talk to trainers They talk to everybody they can to get a complete picture of the player So I call bullshit that you got new information and to your point too, Sarah and I want you to talk about this a little bit more the continued perception in this league and i will say in other sports too that the only voice that needs to be talked to is the is the perpetrator not the victim and how we continue to absolve ourselves of not having to make sure that voice is hurt too
0: well i want to say neely said not that he was misled by one of his scouts but that he thought his scout had given him like a full report and i'm not gonna point fingers or spread rumors or anything, but there is one Bruins scout that is on Twitter right now, like retweeting that he deserves a second chance and liking all these things. So it's like, (sighs) I wonder what's happening there. And it just like, I I wonder how much of what the Bruins are saying is BS and how much they genuinely did try to do anything. And it's just like, it doesn't make none of the things they're saying are lining up. So I don't know.
2: But yeah, can you talk to, to also just like the importance of Like, why are people so oblivious to the we should probably check in with the person who was actually the victim in these circumstances?
0: Because they know. I think it's because they know. They know what they're going to say because they have said it, and that is so brave of them, for for the mom especially, to say, I don't think he's showing remorse and, and not be silenced. I'm so glad she's using her voice and is sticking up. I think this is why it's so emotional for so many people, too. She's sticking up for anybody who has ever been bullied and giving them a voice when a lot of the times people are bullied again into silence into okay, move on and move forward and go with grace and whatever. No, no, no. This is graceful to anybody who has ever been a victim. And I just want, I can't say enough good things about her and explaining why this is messed up. The Bruins should have at least reached out, but they aren't because she would say, no, he doesn't deserve to have an NHL contract. And that's why, to me, that's why it seems like they didn't.
2: And Shayna, you brought up too, you said, you know, you do this right before you go into Toronto, the center of the hockey universe. And so it was reported that, you know, and this is is what's insane too, is, you know, everyone after this player got removed from the Arizona Coyotes organization, everyone's like, oh yeah, of course we agree, this is terrible. But it was reported in part that this signing happened because other teams were circling the player. And I mean, with all due... This guy wasn't even playing. I mean, he was playing at a low level of hockey I mean, we're not talking about the next Norris Trophy winner here necessarily. I mean, just talk about the the insanity of Taking this kind of a risk for what this player arguably is.
1: Yeah, so already the Bruins didn't ask a question They didn't want to hear the answer to rule number one. You don't want to hear something. Don't ask the question skip over it to use the excuse of, like, other teams wanting to sign and what we do know is, at the time of his draft, I think it was Aaron Portsline who reported this, I might, I, I'm 99% sure, that 10 teams have taken him off their draft list already, so that kind of does, you know, it lowers down the field a bit, and now years have passed, he's not playing at some high level, he's, I don't care what his results are really, um... It doesn't, it doesn't matter that other teams wanted to do it. And to use that is just like, an, it's a weak excuse to, I understand other teams around the league are your competition and you think you can outsmart them by beating them to the punch. But the way to outsmart them is to not bring something like that into your locker room when the players are outright telling you they don't want it. That right there, the players actually have the guts to speak up and say, we don't want this. You have something good going on. And it's not some leadership group that was just thrown together or something. The Bruins leadership group, I would say, is one of the strongest in the league, it feels like, with Bergeron and Marchand and McAvoy and Felino. They're saying no, they still felt the need because other teams might've wanted to do it as well. Find a better player, use your scouting staff, be creative. There's a million other options, but to say other teams were going to do it doesn't make it right. It's like, it's like the thing you learn when you're five years old. If your best friend's gonna say, I'm jumping off a cliff, do you do it too? Because they told you to, like, it doesn't matter. You're this is you're an NHL organization. You don't have to beat your competition to the punch because we kind of all could have seen how this was gonna go. And the Bruins must have known this wouldn't have gone perfectly. Otherwise, they probably would have reached out to the victim's family, but they didn't want to. Like it does, it, I can't understand how they didn't think nothing would come of this. Did they just stop any other team from signing him? They probably would have been. It would have been the same situation. Like none of it makes sense to me.
0: I mean, Gary Bettman himself said that. The league was never consulted, so it's like even if I don't I don't think it was eminent that anybody was about to sign in or but, I, I mean who knows? But
2: today Cam Neely said Bill Daly was aware. And this this is what makes me so mad is like this is the bullshit, right? Like so Bettman's gonna get up there and give his whole holier than thou speech, which in the moment was impressive. But you know my my point was this kid isn't coming to play in the NHL right now, and you damn well know it. So you can get up and say it and pass this off to the AHL right now and and that organization. But then today, Cam Neely points out that it is his understanding that Bill Daly was made aware and was consulted. So again, I say. This goes back to like, so who are we supposed to believe? And if we are to believe Gary Bettman that they were not consulted, then again, this goes back to people at the Bruins have to be fired because this is abhorrently bad decision-making and leadership. And if Bill Daly was aware and didn't tell Gary Bettman, then Bill Daly needs to have some sort of repercussions because you don't tell your boss that this kind of situation is coming. Like that's insane to me.
1: It makes, it makes literally no sense. It makes absolutely no sense that they, there was either no communication between the two of them because they didn't what, like, I understand this isn't the same thing as, say, Evander Kane getting his contract terminated. This was already an NHL player now coming into the fold to return to the NHL. Like, this is a player who has yet to play in the NHL and would be going to the AHL most likely. I get the situations are different, but to not consult each other when we saw the backlash with, when with the Coyotes and, you know, you can't live your life worrying about what backlash might we get. Like, I get it. Teams can't think like that fully, like, you know, and make only decisions that way. But you would think it was a huge deal. And for the league that's trying to do better with this stuff, after failures on all fronts for years with a million situations, like, I don't know, the Chicago Blackhawks a year ago, you would think this would be something that would be communicated about. So where's the breakdown? Would it be surprising if it's on the Bruins end at this point? It wouldn't be per se, but is this them kind of like, Pushing off the pressure on them, so it's not just that they screwed up. Like I, I honestly don't know, but it's so odd to me because you would think this would be discussed. And then of course, when the AHL has to make a statement, and it was Scott Hounsou, right? He's the president of the AHL. He was a little bit softer in his answer because he has to be. And I'm not saying he should. He, you throw the book and say no. Like there are probably processes you have to go through. Like well, there has to be a hearing and there has to be a conversation. And I get it. That's you know, but. It was interesting, like you said, the NHL is coming out with this bold statement. They really didn't need to. Need to. That's not their problem right now. They can't govern the AHL.
2: And Sarah, you, you mentioned too, and I would love to hear your reaction on this. So, you know, there was talk that, you know, uh, Mitchell was going to go through programs and had gone through programs and was showing remorse. And then uh, Mitchell Miller's agent, Eustace King, came out um, with a statement over the weekend outlining Um, things that were being done or that Mitchell was undertaking, one of them involved working with the Carnegie initiative and then the Carnegie initiative has to come out and basically say that's actually not true. Just your thoughts on the layers of mess this is where Eustace King, a person of color trying to make it in this business as it is, And then now basically saying things that the actual institution comes out and says actually not true. Again, just the layers upon layers of misleading and gaslighting.
0: Gaslighting is a good word to describe it. I do want to mention the community programs. Um, I saw this before with Tony D'Angelo too, where I was asking Don Waddell, what community programs is he going to join specifically? And he said he doesn't want to say. And then... The same thing happened with the Boston Globes' Maddie Porter a few days ago after the signing. He was like, well, what community programs specifically is he going to join? And Sweeney was like, out of respect for the programs, I'm not going to mention them. What do you mean? I'm sure the programs would like to be mentioned. Yeah, it's like such a cop-out, and it makes me think, like, that's a huge red flag whenever I hear that. And then to see all that went down. Uh, Yeah, Eustace. uh, I don't know where to begin with that. I do feel a person of color's voice on that. I don't want to speak for a Black person about this. I wonder if he was put in a tough spot. And they are, aren't they representing Miller pro bono, like, for free? I'm, I'm very confused about that. I need to do more looking into that. But I don't, he may be put in a tough spot where it's hard enough for Black people to succeed in hockey. But it
2: just looks really bad. I want to flip around to a little bit of some of the positive, too. And Shayna just talked about it as well. But, you know, I I have had the opportunity to, to cover Nick Foligno, who was one of the voices, the prominent voices that came out of the Bruins room. Um, and honestly, it was a nice surprise. It reinforced what I thought I knew about him as, as a person. Um, I don't know him well, uh, as a real, as who Nick Foligno really is, but it was, it was a light in a sea of shit to see that someone did something I hoped that they would do. But Sarah, you, you know the leaders from the Bruins room too, and um, you've talked about them in other contexts before, but in the context of hockey, but then also those two individuals and the work that the Bruins try to do for culture in that room, how big of a deal was that? For Patrice Bergeron, for Brad Marchand, for Nick Felino to come out and say, we are not okay with this.
0: Yeah, Bergeron, we can go over his comments with Elliot Friedman too, and how, like, no, you don't have to pat him on the back for that. And he did say, on the fence, X, Y, and Z. He he did not, he was not perfect, but I have never seen that from a captain of an NHL team before. And then when he faced the Toronto media, he expanded and said, in a way I was not necessarily agreeing with the signing. The culture we built here goes against that behavior. If it's the same 14 year old that would be walking into this room, he wouldn't be accepted and wanted and welcomed in this locker room to be honest with you. And I do wanna say there's only so much you can say as a captain, you're towing a tough line and you're put in a shitty spot when you have to speak on this. So I do think he was careful with his words, but made it clear that he was opposed. And Felino had some really strong words, um, and he has young kids. Uh, the culture, it's not something anyone in this room stands for. It's hard for us to swallow because we take a lot of pride in here, the way we act, how we carry ourselves, what it means to be a Bruin. And Marchand had words, too. I just think I've never really seen that from an NHL leadership group about a signing. And I do think even though he never should have been signed in the first place, it was Good to see that pushback from NHL leaders amounted in something, and I hope it sets a precedent that in the future that if anything like this happens again, other NHL leaders will feel emboldened to speak out against it.
2: Yeah, and I want to fast forward then to to what brings us to Sunday and Monday where uh, the Bruins make the decision to end the relationship. Again, as we've said, as of this recording, we are not clear on the terms or how that will be executed um, because, um, and Shayna is such a great expert on the cap and, and contractual things, and there may not be grounds for termination here, um, which could be part of why they keep saying they got more information is that that's the grounds that they're going to try and make the case to get the contract terminated. We don't know. We at too many men do not know at this time, Um, but when Cam Neely spoke on Monday morning, I watched it, it's about 14 minutes long, if you haven't seen it, you can find that on the internet, to the Bruins' tiny little negative crumb of credit, they actually posted the damn thing. Um, But I was incensed, but sadly not surprised, that Cam Neely basically, he was asked if it was the fan reaction or the reaction from the room, that spurred on the the change in the decision and cam neely basically said they didn't expect this kind of reaction and you know a tweet that has stuck with me um this is from fan of the pod will bardell bardwell excuse me um and in part in his tweet he says every team always says this we did a lot of thinking about this and we think he's changed i wish they just say it doesn't bother them and Exactly. That's this, my friends, this is what's wrong with hockey culture is that the decision makers are completely not aware, in line or concerned with the issues that I would suggest larger and larger majorities of the fan bases and more importantly, the world care about and are the right way to think about caring about our fellow man, woman and person. I don't know, Shayna, do you have thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I got, I always have thoughts. You know what? They, they say like the fan reaction, the player reaction mattered, but unless I'm mistaken here, it did sound like they talked to the players before they even made the decision and didn't give a shit about what they said. So they cared about it now that they're actually, did they not expect the players to speak out in the media because it's never been done? It's possible. And I honestly do. I think it's great that the players said what they did. I really do think that's super impressive, but it annoys me to know and that they were in the position that they had to be in to speak up because their general manager was so wishy-washy on Friday. And... Sweeney put his players in a terrible position. And like that can change relationships right there. Uh, and Neely didn't do anything better with it. So, yes, he's saying now that the team, you know, if they knew this information all along and they want to have all these outs, it's just so frustrating. Even in last night, the statement, it ended with from Neely, finally, as a father, I think there's a lesson to be learned here for other young people. Be mindful of careless behaviors going on with the group mentality of hurting others. The repercussions can be felt for a lifetime. First of all, you don't need to be a father to feel for this situation. I'm not a father. I am not a son. And I can feel for it. I have no connections in any which way to the situation. And you can have empathy. Second of all, the lesson isn't here for young people. The lesson there's a lesson for fucking everybody, including old people like Cam Neely, who clearly did not learn anything from it if they're pushing the buck to someone else. The lesson here is to do your due diligence. If you are president of an organization, an NHL organization, you there's three key steps, I think. Assess the situation by doing your due diligence, by researching it, by not just speaking to the player who's at fault, who has shown no remorse, and that's been said a million times and going, did you do something wrong and do you feel bad for it? And he went, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Okay, we're good. Due diligence, didn't talk to the, didn't have a third party here, didn't speak to the victim, didn't even see if the player would be allowed to play at the AHL or NHL level. How? So the lesson here is that you did not, your organization did not properly do their jobs, don't have any empathy, and now are complaining and backtracking because you got so much shit for it. Great job, really learned a ton. I learned how not to run a team,
0: yeah your point there that sticks with me the most is really like they're putting so much there they want to use this as a lesson to turn this guy into a model citizen when he doesn't even want to be what like how do you think that feels for the victim you're not even thinking about that and it's like he doesn't even want to be the model citizen like his dad is on twitter retweeting that he shouldn't be held accountable for the mistake that he made i'm like no like if he wanted to be held accountable, this all of that wouldn't be happening on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to say that. There's been so many publicly weird comments that his dad is either, whatever. Not You can't blame a kid for what his dad is doing. But at the same time, he said over and over again that, like... He's sorry for NHL teams for putting them through this. Like what? Like he's not apologizing to the victim. Like he's not. And they're trying to make him into this model citizen.
1: He did. He did. Everything's fine. He, right? If I remember correctly, he slid into his Instagram DMs.
2: It has nothing to do with hockey.
1: And that's why he's, this has, you're, it's not because you're about to be handed a million dollars from a hockey team to play a game.
2: No. Also, like, this is what kills me. You know how, like, when you find out, like, that, like so-and-so was a serial killer or something like that, and then everyone who knew the guy the whole time, like, oh, we totally saw that coming. He was totally, like, like, sometimes the shit you do when you're 14 is, in fact, indicative of who you are as a person, all right? I'm sorry. Like, it can fundamentally be true, and if his dad is putting all this stuff out on Twitter, like, that's part of the problem. So we see why this kid hasn't ever built the tools for remorse. Like, if dad is saying it's fine, why in the hell would he think it's not fine? Like, that's infuriating to me, just absolutely infuriating. It's, it's so frustrating and I wanna make sure I get the quote here that I was referencing here, and this is from the reporting of Connor Ryan, who was there today. Um, Maddie Sports, um, who covers the Bruins, asked the question, what did you expect the feedback to be from fans? And Cam Neely said, initially I was thinking it was going to be, quote, okay, this kid deserves a second chance. I thought there would be some people that were going to be upset about it, but to the extent of this, I misread that. Like, it's mind-blowing to me. Absolutely mind-blowing.
1: It's ridiculous. And, like, to clarify, right? What you do at 14 does not have to define you. It really doesn't. Correct. No, this is not It's bigger than a mistake. And I think that's... Step one is acknowledging that. That this is not just a mistake. It was a horrible string of events and years of torment. But if you can do something and actually show remorse and actually actively try and not just do it because there's some sort of incentive... You can change as a person. You absolutely can. We can look around the league, I'm sure, right now, at tons of people who have done horrible things in their NHL career, whether it was hazing or, you know, in juniors, things like that, who learned from it and learned how to be a better person. And there is an opportunity here to do that for Miller still. But he has to genuinely want that for himself and not just because he wants a hockey career. He has to want to be a better person and nothing's showing that. So until that happens, you don't don't deserve this opportunity. It's as simple as that, and I don't see why... The Bruins are having such a hard time with that concept, but you know, the whole thing, it's just
2: a disaster. It's like Will said, they're showing us who they are and what they think. Um, There's one last angle that I know uh, we have all been talking about and that I think is important to touch on here. And that is um, the media's role in all of this and particularly um, the media that is um, supposed to be impartial, which is anyone who doesn't work officially for a team. Um, Sarah has mentioned she's working on a story now and I know how hard and diligently she's been working on getting to what are the actual facts and what are the actual sources and what is true and acknowledging what is not confirmed. And um, I will say there've been some glimmers of hope in that some of the, the bigger voices in our hockey world are sharing this information and sharing the distrust and the disappointment in the Bruins organization. But it is, so we have, this is happening too much, you guys. This is happening with Hockey Canada. This is happening with the Chicago Blackhawks. And now this is happening here with the Bruins. And I'm certainly not saying that all three of those are commensurate in the amount of um, pain that has been caused or the situation itself. But we've got to be better. We can't, just because someone says something doesn't make it so. Um, My dad always said, he says he works with clients in a a professional service. He says, I, I believe I trust my clients. I just don't believe them. They have to prove it. And I think that we all have to do that and be better. And Sarah, I know you're working on a story, but I don't know. I don't know if there's more you want to say about how the media can help us in these situations going forward.
0: I do. Yeah. I do think Bruins media has done a great job with this. I think Ty Anderson, Fluto, um, they, they've done a really diligent job, Maddie Porter, um, good on them. Kudos to them. I do think national voices think too much that they can stay out of things. Right. And that they, I don't know how to exactly put this. Like they don't have to be screaming on Twitter every second, like I am. And sometimes all of us are, but um, they don't get to, I think a lot about NBA media, right? Like I just remember Charles Barkley. I mean, he has more clout because he played in the league. But when he was at that club, I don't know if you guys saw this, but he was at a club with all these people and he was like on a mic saying, if anybody, to all my trans and gay people, if anybody has a problem with you, say Charles Barkley said, fuck you. It's like, you can say things and get away with them when you're a part of the national media and you have clout. Like either you're being a coward or you just don't want to say things. At a certain point, I just think, the media has to be a little bit better and you can't, staying out of it is a stance.
2: Yeah. And staying out of it is is staying in it and saying how much you care about it. Um, or your
1: self-preservation.
2: And yeah. And I mean, this gets said in a million contexts every day, but with power, with leadership comes responsibility. And if you have legitimate power, it can be hard. It can be scary. It can be not fun. It can cause discomfort for you, sometimes even to the point of extreme discomfort professionally. But at the end of the day, I like to hope that I will do, when I'm dying, I don't want to say, well, thank God I kept that job for 20 years. Like, I'd rather know that I did my very best to try and do the right thing, um, even if it was the hard thing. Uh, Sarah, uh, Shaina, what are your thoughts from a media perspective?
1: Yeah, it would just, you know, even if national media says uh, they don't want to put any you know inflections on anything, but they can clearly report both sides. I think that's acceptable. Not everybody has to want to give their personal opinion on everything. I know, like for us, we like to do that. Think about the risk we—if we screw up and say something wrong, we could risk our careers. We don't have the foundation that some people do. We don't have the followings. We don't have the support because we're women with without years and years and years of this and whatever. Like. Some people are in a much loftier position and they still choose not to, whether it's because they don't care, they just don't want to, or they actually believe that, or they don't want to sever relationships with teams that they hope to get scoops from. Like, it's things like that. There's more going on that needs to be talked about and it needs to be handled in a certain way. And when you have a platform like that, it is your responsibility to use it at the end of the day, whether it's amplifying the Bruins media in this case, because not for nothing, if you're not a Bruins fan, there's a good chance you're not following Fluto and Matty Porter and Connor and Ty Anderson. You might not be paying attention to it unless it happens to get retweeted onto your feed by somebody else. That's where the national media comes in to let you know of things that are going on. You know, it's the same as saying, I'm a Red Wings fan and I don't know what's going on with the Islanders because I don't follow them. Like, that's where you would go, well, I'm going to watch Hockey Night in Canada or I'm going to watch NHL Network and get a national perspective to understand and get a quick hit on it. So if you're national media, your job is to talk about what's going on. Everywhere. It's a huge responsibility. But guess what? That's what you signed up for. And this in this case, your responsibility is covering the small things like a player injury or a winning streak or a losing streak to the huge things like this. And, you know, the Blackhawks are a great example of that. Hockey Canada and now this. And if you didn't learn before, there's been opportunities, unfortunately far too many to learn how to be better in each situation. So It'd be nice to see a little, bit, uh, a little bit more progression from those who either stay out of it completely or blindly side with, uh, you know, for like the team and just take everything at face value and report that when we know there's more to the situation.
0: A lot of it is marginalized communities tend to help out other Marginalized communities, and that's the point—the importance of intersectionality—and you see that a lot in the NBA, where right, like, there's a lot of the more black men in the NBA than there are in the NHL by far, and that they're willing to speak out more about issues. And it just sucks that like these older white men can say they're our allies, but their actions we all see
2: through. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. And uh, on that note, I want to close with one other point that I think is really, really, really important um and this was raised on twitter by the user rl not stein um this is to be clear disgusting but remember he and that's mitchell miller has had his reputation laundered through by the tri-city storm an organization sanctioned by usa hockey this isn't happening in a vacuum this is organizational same as the issues with hockey canada and i think that while everything the bruins did is abhorrent and just at the very best tremendous displays of incompetence at every single turn but it's not like Mitchell Miller was sitting home eating ice cream and the Bruins called him and said hey can you still play hockey after this time so we have to be asking these questions and holding the sport we love accountable at every turn Um, just like we should be held accountable when we write a bad article or say something untrue but um, this isn't just a Bruins issue and I say that in no way to absolve them (laughs) from this situation Um, This has been a pretty heavy couple of days. I know our our chat has gotten a heavy workout. Um, What, if anything, needs to be said before we go ahead and end? Sarah, I'll start with you.
0: I just want to say sorry to anybody who's been a victim of bullying or not being heard or being reduced to somebody else's rehabilitation project. That's bullshit. And I'm glad it doesn't even feel like justice because it shouldn't have happened in the first place. But I am glad this kid won't be playing in the NHL.
2: Shayna, final thoughts um
0: i
1: don't think this is the end of this situation i think we're going to hear more considering the contract situation i think we're going to hear more with the nhlpa and i won't be surprised if they back him because i think that they have a lot to prove after doing horrible jobs with other situations like kyle beach so you know just keep paying attention to it because i think there's more that we're going to learn from it but um listen to victims support victims they are the Primary concern in this: not winning a hockey game, not giving you know rehabilitation projects to people who haven't earned it. Um, you can have a second chance if you do the right thing. But first and for- foremost is making sure the victims are okay in that. So you know, for everyone that spoke out and did the reporting, seriously, great jobs on that. And hopefully, you know, others who made missteps can learn from it, so we don't keep seeing this happen every other week in hockey.
2: Yep, and I would just uh, add: seek truth. Even if you're not in media, you know, it's part of what gets us in the situation is things like Cam Neely saying he didn't think fans would react. Uh, People underestimate others way too often right now and you don't have to accept things on face value. You can ask for more and you can ask for what's really going on and when something doesn't pass the smell test, you can push to try and understand more and and voice yourself however you can. It doesn't matter if you're in the media, it doesn't matter if you're a fan, it doesn't matter. Um, seek the truth and, and fight for it at all costs. Um, we are ending this episode today uh, without Fuck, Mary Kill. We want to let um, a lot of this ruminate and sink in. Um, as Sarah said, Always believe victims, stand with them, appreciate their strength in having to sometimes repeatedly over and over and over share their story. Um, Seek truth, be good to one another, and uphold what's right, not what's easy. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon.
0: Love you.